Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 106 of the Real Life Runners podcast. When you want to improve and you want to train for a race, there might be such a thing as the perfect training plan for you. But today we're going to talk about why that may or may not exist and also why that may or may not actually help you to achieve your goal. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So runners are are usually trying to look to get better and seeking out somewhere that they can find a plan, they can find a workout, they can ask other runners what they've been doing, they could find a coach, they could simply copy what other runners are doing. Mm -hmm. Usually they dive into the nearly limitless realm of the internet. Yes, because, (laughs) you know, Mr. Google, Dr. Google, Coach Google can tell us everything we need to know, right? Unfortunately, it tells us (laughs) literally everything. Yeah. It tells us the specific workouts we need to hit, the paces we need to hit it at, um, all of these different things that are somehow preventing us from reaching our maximum potential. There's so many articles that are like the five keys, the six secrets. There's not keys and secrets. I would argue that there are definitely keys, but I doubt there's many secrets left because the internet essentially reveals all of it to us right Right, it's all there it's all there like you can find all of this information for free somewhere on the internet through videos through blogs through articles through all these different things like all of the training in books i mean all of the training information is out there for you But how much time do you really want to be spending trying to figure it all out? I mean, that's really one of the biggest things because, I mean, think about it. When you go on Google, you start clicking on articles, like you start reading things and then suddenly an hour is gone and you are just as lost or even maybe even more confused than when you started. Right, because you could very easily find an article that gives you one particular training method and then click to the next article and it could tell you to do the exact opposite. And why the first method was complete baloney. Yes. (laughs) Not only should you do this, but you should never do what that first article tells you to do. Exactly. And the first, and both of them are research based. Totally. Because (laughs) you can find research to back up pretty much anything nowadays. I mean, there, there are some that are definitely more research back than others with actual good research but how many people actually take the time to look into the research and actually evaluate whether or not the research was good or bad also you know like so you see there's a plan here there's advice here and there's a research study that they cite that it came from so many times when I've actually done this and looked into it and actually gone back and read the articles I'm like that's not what the article said at all. That was not the point of their research yeah. study. You you lied. You drew a poor poor conclusion. Oh yeah, like people draw conclusions from these articles, and I'm like, that was not the point at all. Like they they can take a sentence from the the yeah. um, research study, and it might just be like one of the refuted points too. Like I mean, it, yeah. sometimes it's Perfect. crazy the way that people manipulate research. So even when they say, "Oh, this is research backed," you really have to go into it with the skepticism and with that eye to actually try to figure it out. And so the question is, how many people are actually doing that? Right. I, I like to. And how, a- who has time for that too? That's why I I only read some articles from people that I know have have done that 
in-depth look yeah. already for me. Yeah. Like people that I've read several things from that have come out with books that mm-hmm. I, I really trust and value their opinion. Absolutely. So if they're talking about it, and usually they'll actually talk about both sides. Like here's some research, here's the new research. Mm-hmm. This is what still needs to be done because this was a small study. Mm-hmm. Like they'll critique the own research that they're citing. Yeah, exactly. That's always helpful. I think that's key. I think that finding an authority and finding an expert that you know is going to do the work and that you trust their analysis and their opinion because you've read some of their things, then from that point on, they're an authority, you trust them, and you're going to listen to them. Okay, so what does any of this have to do with our topic of the day, which is the magic training plan that we're all looking for? So even once you've found your authority, the person that you you trust, and maybe there's a few – what if they have altering plans? How do you know which plan actually is the best plan for you? Sometimes you got one authority that you trust and they have two different options. What's the best plan Mm -hmm. for you to achieve your best results? Yeah, because you want to find the answer in order to reach your potential. And when pursuing any task toward greatness, we want a plan. Yeah, a plan that comes with a guarantee. Wouldn't that be nice if we could get a guarantee that if you follow this plan, these are the exact results that you're going to get? Right. That I mean, that's the most ideal plan sitting out there. And, and this one, I think, is where it starts to get a little bit tricky here. We also want a plan that doesn't make us stretch too much. Like everybody has this goal of, I'd like to achieve that. But in the back of their mind, a lot of people are subconsciously finishing that sentence with, I'd like a plan that would help me to achieve this goal without changing that much from what I'm currently doing in my life. Ooh, that's a very good point. Like, I think that's so interesting because it's true in a way that if it's too different then subconsciously or even maybe consciously sometimes, we can actually resist going all into that new training plan. Right. If you come up with a plan that is very different from what you're used to, you are going to immediately find signs of like, oh, I didn't feel good in that workout. This plan must not be for me. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, I felt sore after that workout and that's a soreness I haven't felt before. So Mm -hmm. this probably isn't my plan. Maybe that soreness that you just felt that was new is a sign this plan is working for you. But if you don't fully trust it because it's too different, you're going to see that as a sign that it's not working for you you're immediately going to put up all these resistance walls and it's really hard to go all in on a plan if you've already told yourself that it's probably not the plan for you. Yeah, because you've you haven't bought into the plan. Like and if you don't mentally buy into this plan, then you're not going to put the work in to do it. And then there's also the the other point that our brain tends to find evidence that support our current beliefs. So if you believe that there's a certain way that you should train as a runner or there's a certain way that you should be pursuing another, you know, pursuing another goal in your life, then if the new plan is a lot different, then that's gonna, that's going against what your current belief system is. Like you believe that there's certain things that you need to do and this other plan is telling you, no, you don't need to do those certain things. You need to do these things over here. So all of a sudden you have this kind of disconnect and your brain's not quite sure what to do. So your brain's natural tendency is to find supporting evidence for what you already believe. So you have to consciously try to focus on not going down that route and trying to buy into whatever the new plan is. Right. So just like as a, an actual example to this, to try and tie something concrete to it, there's two like main 
philosophies on on running it's sort of a top down or bottom up approach so you either start by building a huge amount of endurance and as you get closer to the race you kind of throw your speed into that or you do the opposite and you start with building some speed and sort of build in the endurance as you get going and if you've always told yourself i have to build all this endurance so that i'm capable of the speed so that i can get to my race and you try a new plan that puts all of this speed really really early in your training cycle it's going to feel weird Mm -hmm. and you're going to feel different after those workouts than you did after doing similar workouts on your other plan because they're early in your cycle. And so you're going to be like, Ooh, this doesn't feel right. I should probably flip back off of it again. Yeah. But you're going to tell yourself it doesn't work. Yeah. Because we all want the shortcut, but a lot of times we want the shortcut that is basically what we're currently doing, but with a couple tweaks. Yeah, just tweaks. Yeah. Minor, minor tweaks. Right, because you really do believe in whatever it is that you're doing, most likely. Otherwise, why are you doing it? Right. Right? So you're kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of working, but I'm not quite getting the results that I want yet. So maybe if I just tweak a couple things. Like, very few people want to do, like, a complete overhaul and change everything. Right, because a complete overhaul is super scary. Yeah. So... Um, one of my favorite things, I've, I've seen people do this one, they find somebody else's training plan online because mm-hmm. there's always elites that are putting their training plans out online or their sponsor that puts their training pl- plan mm-hmm. out online. And we'll look at the plan and be like, oh, I do something similar to their Monday mm-hmm. and Thursday. So I'll just keep doing my plan because it matches their Monday and Thursday mm-hmm. and completely ignore the other five days. <laughs> Like, oh, my plan is almost the same as that guy, and he almost broke two hours in the marathon. So we're basically the same person. (laughs) No, your Tuesday is similar to the first of his three workouts on Tuesday. Like, they're not the same plan. But we'll tie on trying to hold desperately to the plan that we currently have Mm -hmm. and resist changing and actually leaping into something new, even if that new plan would turn out to be the best plan for us. Yeah, but that's fear of the unknown because the unknown is scary. And I mean, how many times do we actually continue to pursue tasks that stray from the plan because we are already comfortable with where we are and changing up the plan opens up that possibility of less successful results because you're like, okay, like I'm all right here. Like, you know, you're still running, you're still achieving things. Like you're comfortable here. You want to get more, you want to do more, but there's that fear that, well, if I change up too many things, like this could totally blow up in my face. Right. We would much rather in general, much rather stick with where we're at. That's close to our goal than to risk the possibility of not getting anywhere near our goal. Mm-hmm. Risk is super scary and changing a complete training plan is is very, very scary. Mm-hmm. Like that's the challenge of these plans is if they don't match nicely with what you're already doing, then you're not really going to follow the plan. And if you don't follow a plan and, and it doesn't work for you, can you say that that plan didn't really work? Mm-hmm. If you only did half of it, or if you added like three extra workouts on top of the plan that mm-hmm. was provided for you, then it's not really following the plan. So then you finish it and you're like, ah, that plan doesn't work. Maybe it would. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to fully go all in on whatever if if the new plan is so new and different and out there. Yeah, it's, it's like the old adage that we have pain that we're currently in. Like some people have pain that they're in and that pain could be physical, mental, emotional, whatever it might be. There's various forms of of pain and suffering and um, things that are holding us back. 
most people actually prefer to stay in that pain because they at least know it. They know what that pain feels like. They know that they can tolerate it, whatever that is. You know, like I said, that could, I don't mean necessarily physical pain, but there could be like an emotional state that you're in of, of stress or of anxiety or whatever it might be. And people are like, okay, like they don't consciously say it to themselves, but that's basically what they do. And they just kind of stay there because doing something different seems too scary. It seems scarier than what they're currently going through. So there's like an old story of a dog that's sitting on a rusty nail and someone comes along and there's the farmer sitting there and the dog is sitting on a rusty nail and he's crying in pain and the person comes along and says, why is your dog crying in pain right now? And the farmer says, well, he's sitting on a rusty nail and he said, well, why doesn't he move? And he said, because he thinks it's going to hurt too much for him to move. (laughs) It's a good one. Right? So it's like, okay, this pain he knows. He can stay here, but obviously if, if he can continues to sit on that rusty nail, that pain's going to get worse and that pain's going to lead to infection and all sorts of bad things down the road, which a lot of people don't necessarily see that while they're currently in the situation that they're in. Right. They think that this is uncomfortable, but I can tolerate it. Mm-hmm. It leads you to to just sort of stay in mediocre. It leads you to stay in jobs that aren't satisfying, relationships that aren't fulfilling, things of this nature, because mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. Yeah. And and doing something different is scary. I'm better with okay than scary is usually a, a default. I'm trying to change myself a lot more on this one. But, uh, <laughs> but it's tricky. It's, it, it's so scary tricky. Scary is, is scary for a reason. That's mm-hmm. why it's called scary. Yeah. And, and like you said, when you try to pursue new things or do new things or learn new things, it can be super uncomfortable. Like we are doing this every single day in our life, in our business. And there are times that it is physically uncomfortable to like go through some of these mental exercises that we're going through to try to grow as people and try to build the business and do everything that we're doing. Like it is so crazy how our belief systems are so ingrained in us and affect us in so many different ways that we don't even realize until we actually sit down and start to analyze it and really try to get to the root of some of this stuff. So where does all this fit into our personalized training plan and and finding the best training plan for us? Is there a magic plan out there? And if so, how can we figure out what that is? Well, so... Me, I come in it with the the engineering mind of the more data we can throw at this thing, the better. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not sure if this plan is going to work, I at least want to put a lot of information into the plan so the plan is perfect for me. Okay. Okay, so... Yeah, you've always been the number guy with the spreadsheets. Exactly. So a personalized plan can get very, very specific to you. There's, There's a lot of like, you know preliminary data that can come out, like gender, age, your running experience... What, what's your current training mileage? What's your general pace? Uh, what kind of injuries do you have? Your current PRs? There's a lot of, of basic data, and you can go pretty far just with that input. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could take it even higher, get all sorts of tests thrown at you. You could calculate all sorts of crazy running numbers, your lactate threshold, your VO2 max, and then throw those into a computer, and it'll tell you, you need to be doing your runs at these exact paces, mm-hmm. which gets a little funky because depending on how your stress level and the weather is going – you know, a seven minute mile is not necessarily a seven minute mile to your body. (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) That's so one of our kids came out to practice today. She goes, coach, I almost texted you and said, I'm not coming today because I cried like four times. Aww. (laughs) It's like, um, 
maybe maybe we cut your distance down today and and you just you treat this as a therapy session when you go out and run and Aww. she was fine but you know what you what feels like kind of a rough day on one training day could feel completely easy the next. Yeah. So magic training paces are only so-so on magic. Right. And there's other important information that often gets ignored when a lot of people try to find their magic plan. Like people think about all the things that you just mentioned, right? People think about their paces and their heart rate and all these other things. But what about the things like what you actually enjoy about running. What are some of your favorite and least favorite types of workouts? What race distances do you like? Where do you typically like to excel? You know, because there are times that maybe you're good at something, but you don't really enjoy doing it. And there's other workouts that go along with that same thing. Like maybe you love doing tempo types of workouts where you're holding like a tempo pace for a longer distance and you hate speed work or vice versa. Like Maybe you really love the short speed work and you hate those tempos. I mean, I know that's definitely where I used to be. Like I used to love like quarter repeats and anything short and fast. And the tempo stuff just was such a mental barrier for me because I just didn't think that I was good at that. I told myself that I wasn't good at those runs and that they were harder for me. And so that's how I used to be. Now I've kind of I do enjoy the tempo work because I do see how much benefit that I get from it. But knowing what kind of workouts you like and you tend to gravitate towards is an important part of what that training plan should look like for you because if you like doing the workouts and you have fun doing certain kinds of workouts then you need to incorporate those kinds of things into the plan right i mean we've we've mentioned this it's kind of a key to my coaching philosophy is there's not like one specific workout that's going to get the perfect results for you. And what really matters is that you, you commit to the workout. So if you're running a marathon, there's a lot of things that will be like, well, you have to do some extended runs at like a faster tempo. If you hate doing 45 minutes at your half marathon pace, then a plan that says you should do that every single week is going to be awful. Mm -hmm. No matter how physical that should work for you, it yeah. is going to be mentally just draining on you yeah. and you're going to be halfway through the plan and not want to get to the race. If you do get to the race, you're going to be like so fighting it about, oh, this plan was awful and I'm never going to be good at this race because every workout was just, it was terrible workouts. Mm -hmm. That race isn't going to go fun. Like you want a race where you're that person at the finish line. You see these people at every race where they like leap across the finish line. They're grinning across the finish. They're high-fiving people down the finishing chute you want to be that person, mm -hmm. right? Like that's a lot more. And then you, cause there's always the person right next to them that looks like they're about to fall over mm -hmm. the finish line. Yeah. And you know, sometimes that's because they literally gave it everything they had and maybe they fall over the finish line and roll over and there's a giant smile on their face. They're still smiling. <laughs> right. Okay? But there's some people that look at cross the finish line and you can tell like, wow, they hated every single step of that race. Mm. It could have been the plan's fault. It could have been, and I think that that's a very interesting point that you make because I think that for certain races, there are certain workouts that are kind of key types of workouts that you need to do, but how often do you need to do that? I think that's, yes. the, that's the big difference, right? Like Because if you're doing that 45-minute tempo every single week and you hate it, like you said, you're just going to hate the plan. But if it just kind of comes in every once in a while, then you can get through it and then you can focus on some of those other workouts that you are really enjoying. Right. That's why a good balance and, and an actual understanding of what types of runs you enjoy mm -hmm. really helps build a good plan. 
Right, so once you've got all of this input, you should be able to get pretty good output from it. Like a plan should really come together. Mm-hmm. Like this is where coaches come in mind. This is where if you find a, a website and you provide all this information, you're like, oh, I need a plan that works for this. So you can get a, a plan with workouts that are designed for, for you to help get the specific adaptations to your body that you're actually trying to go for, Mm -hmm. for whatever goal race you're aiming towards. Right. And when you find a training plan that is right for you, that means that the volume of your runs and the intensities are also adjusted to help avoid injury and maximize the chance of reaching that goal that you're aiming for. So for example, if you're training for a marathon or a half marathon, you're going to need more volume. You're going to need more mileage in that plan. If you're focusing more on 5Ks and 10Ks, you're going to need more speed and less mileage. So those are just things that go along with knowing what you're training for. Right. It also goes along with knowing what kind of runner you are. Mm -hmm. Some runners have so much natural speed that they don't need, even if they're racing a 5K, even they're training for a 5K, they don't need six or eight weeks of these hardcore speed workouts Mm -hmm. because they're able to fine tune their speed over a couple of weeks. You just keep throwing it at them and it's just going to drain them Mm -hmm. because they're like, yep, I've got it. I've got that system. It's fine tuned. I'm, I'm good to go. You need to find some other thing. Okay, because depending on the type of runner, they need certain workouts thrown towards them. Mm-hmm. Like certain workouts do tend to correlate nicely with certain outcomes, mm-hmm. but it's not a perfect, you know, every runner is going to get different benefits out of different workouts. And one runner can do the same workout two different days, like hit it Monday, hit it the following Monday and get different benefits from it. Mm -hmm. You know, how much sleep, how much stress, how much, what the weather was doing. There's all sorts of things that affect the actual outcome. So even a plan that in theory should get you these certain benefits won't necessarily do it. Science doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, because the body's going to kind of do what it wants. Like you can do things that in theory work, but those theories are tested on different people than you, you know, like this is all ultimately still just the study of one. And that's why bringing you and your desires and your likes and dislikes into the plan is super important because it's going to make you want to stick with it. I have a friend who's running her first marathon and she does not typically like going out on long, slow distance runs. So for her marathon plan to just continuously put long, slow distance runs would have been so boring and would have not, you know, she would have hated that plan probably. Right. And that's basically the standard plan for all new marathon runners is just keep adding a mile to your distance until you reach 20. Right. And so for her, it was important to incorporate other speed work and things into her plan so that the plan stayed fresh and interesting so that it wasn't just the natural drudgery of just long, slow distance every single day, increasing your mileage every single weekend. Like she still did all of the long runs that she needed to do because you still have to do the long runs to prepare for a marathon, but it wasn't just the long, slow distance that a lot of people go out and do with a marathon, which is fine for some people. Like some people love those things, but there's some people that don't. Some people like more types of speed work. So knowing what you like and what you don't like is really important when you find that magic plan that's going to be the best for you. 
even plans that have these specific workouts designed to help you out that, you know, the, the research scientists, the exercise scientists have tr done the studies and said, this workout gets these results. It's a lot of correlation. These, uh, the coaches who have been doing this for years are usually ahead of the research. Mm -hmm. And then researchers are trying to prove why what the coaches are doing works. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these research are essentially doing the same workout and only that workout every day out of the week or every other day. They're trying to isolate specific workouts and no one runs that way. Yeah. Like you, no you one just do does mile repeats. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes a lot of scientific research hard on real runners and real people and real, it's the same thing with physical therapy. Like I'm a physical therapist and there is, you know, we keep getting more and more research to support the things that we're doing, but a lot of the research is just really hard to complete because you don't just do this one exercise. Like you, that one exercise is part of a treatment plan or, you know, you don't usually just do ultrasound or just do electric stimulation. Like, and that's what these studies were require like for it to be a strong scientific study like with strong evidence with significance like with um, research significance it needs to be a certain type of study like randomized control trials which then you know include placebo groups and control groups and all these things and you're trying to control for all of these variables that you really can't control for in real life like it's, yeah. and it's the same thing with running like you can't just evaluate the effectiveness of one workout because that one workout is like a drop in the bucket. Like it's a piece of the plan as a whole. Right. And coaches get a feel for the plan as a whole. They talk to the, to their athletes and they're like, Oh, well, it feels like this is where you should be going with your workouts today. You know, it, even, even original plans. Well, it's great. You know, you, you put all the input and you're like, this is a good plan to follow a one-on-one -on -one with a coach is, is hard to beat because if the plane needs adjustment on a regular basis, the coach is there and they've got the experience. They don't have to check the research and be like, oh, you feel like this today, so we're going to do this adjustment to the workout and it will get you the exact same benefits. But like that's not how it works. Coaches just sort of have a feel for how this goes and then scientists are trying to prove why that coach is right. Yeah, and it's funny because you and I went through a lot of this and we still do like yes. because I'm still trying to learn a lot from you because you've not only been running much longer than I have, but you've also been coaching much longer than I have. So I'm constantly trying to learn from you. And there are some times where I will question why you're doing a certain thing. And you basically say, because that's what needs to be done. Right. Which is a horribly frustrating <laughs> answer. But the answer like, is, but why? Because it, it works. Right. Because that's what you do. Yeah. Because you've just fine-tuned your coaching so much throughout the years that you kind of understand what works better for some people, what doesn't work as well for other people. And again, it's still, you know, coaching is still a practice as well, just like medicine is a practice. Like they don't say that doctors are performing things or doing things. They say doctors practice medicine. Pra medicine is always evolving and improving and there's constantly new methods to do things and new surgical procedures and new medications. Like It's constantly evolving and coaching is the same way. And the longer you work with an athlete, the more you get to know them as a person and as a runner, you're going to be much more effective in your ability to coach them too. Right. And having that flexibility as a coach opens you up to then be like, okay, I'm not 
fixated on you have to do this exact workout because if you hit this workout at these exact paces, that means and it guarantees that you can run a race in this exact time. Mm-hmm. You know, some coaches get locked in and if you find them online, um, there are these magic workouts that, and they're like go-tos and people do them from one side of the country and they go around the world. Maybe because the one is five by a mile. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that goes around the world because <laughs> a lot of people work in kilometers. Right. But there's a classic 5k training workout that is five times a mile at your 5k pace. And if you can hit that kind of workout, then you should be able to run and hold that pace for your 5k. Mm-hmm. But it's not a given. Right. You know, and then there's there's Yasso 800s, which are like one of the the marathon magic workouts that suggest that if you can run your half mile repeats, so if you want to run like a three hour marathon, you do your half mile repeats in three minutes. Mm. It, it, there's no science behind this guy. Like mm-hmm. I, I heard an interview with Bart Yasso, who they're named after. He goes, it was just convenient. It worked out for my pace that I was running <laughs> 800s at that pace. And then I was like, oh, that's funny. That's my, that's my time for the marathon. It didn't go the other way. He thought it was funny, told some friends about it. And suddenly this is published all over the place and named after him. He goes, there's no magic in the workout. And when the guy, the workout is named after says there's no magic to the workout, you know that there's no magic to the workout. But what if there is magic to the workout because you believe that there's magic to the workout? Like right. I think that that's probably more of what happens a lot of times versus the actual physical magic that's happening. If you tell yourself, if I can complete this workout, I will succeed at this race, that mental confidence that you gain, boom, there's your magic. Right. So then you get the security blanket aspect of hitting the workouts, which is a double-edged sword. Because if you can't hit that workout, does that mean that you can't then hit the time in the race? Mm -hmm. Like, what if you came up a little bit short? Oh, now I might as well not even run the race because Mm -hmm. I missed this workout. Because I was supposed to hit 745 and I hit 747 instead. Oh, completely screwed. There's no (laughs) way I can do this workout now. That might have been an error on your GPS watch. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Maybe you mismeasured ever so slightly. Right. Right. But that kind of of takes us into the final point that I want to cover is why these even a perfect plan designed and customized exactly to you might not get the perfect result. What? You mean two runners with identical plans that train every single step together can still end up at different paces on race day? Yeah, that's unfortunate, but totally true. It's totally true because some people just race really well. Like I have a friend that's an amazing racer. Like she can just put herself into a zone on race day and just go for it. Like she just races like amazing and other people just can't do that. Yeah, I or haven't like, developed that skill yet. I always like to reference Nick Simmons on that one, yeah. where he's like, "I, oh, yeah. I had horrible workout after horrible workout." The guys that he used to train with used to get so frustrated training with him because they could beat him, and and would perform better in every workout for like months leading up to the race, and then they'd hit the big race with the brightest lights on the biggest stage, and Nick would just freaking crush it, yeah, because he could go to a place mm-hmm. for a work for races and it wasn't necessary for him to go to those places and workouts. Mm -hmm. He put in enough work and then mentally he was able to flip a switch when the bright lights came on and he could go to a deeper place and pull out races that people are just like, where did that come from? And the answer was, well, he, he dug deeper than he ever did in a workout. You're right. Because I mean, there are 
physical differences between people, right? Including your starting ability because most of the time you have a different running journey than even your training partners or your friends. Like there are people that I train with that have been running for 30 years and I've basically been running for on and off for I would say 10 but really consistently only the last three you know so people that have a bigger base and backlog in their running they're gonna have different abilities than I do and I'm gonna have different abilities than they do like your whole your running journey is just completely different because it's your own yeah one of the the kids on our team was like Mr. Ren how how long have you been running for I was like eh let's just not do that math Let's pretend that we're not going to answer that question. (laughs) Yeah, when you came out yesterday after your workout and the kids are like, what did you just run, Mr. Brown? And you're like, oh, I just did seven miles. The one girl goes, no, you didn't. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, yes, he did. That's just how fast he is. And they're like, well... I mean, you've been running since you were our age, so yeah. Yes, yes I have. Yes, yes, he has. And now I'm a couple of years older than you. A couple of decades older <laughs> no, okay, than you. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> so long as I can keep beating them. All right. So there's there's a few differences, and one of them is obviously physical differences between right. two athletes. You line up two athletes. One might be like physically in a, in a place where they can handle the distance, where they are naturally predisposed to longer races. And one of them is more predisposed towards shorter races. So you give them a matching identical plan and they're going to get different results out of it. Well, they have different muscle types and muscle fibers and muscle recruitment. Like no two bodies are the same. Like there are similar body types, but no two bodies are the same. Some people have injuries in the past. Some people have, you know, that's it. I mean, that's that's the summary. No two bodies are the same. So mm-hmm. when you line up next to someone, even if you do the same workouts at, as them, you're going to have different physical adaptations because your body is your own. Right. So there is the level of get the plan that's all nice and customized towards you, but I think that it's far more than that. And that's, that's where we're going here is... Yes, there is physical differences, but I think that the major difference between two athletes is far more mental than physical. Yeah. So if you take two runners, you give them a perfect customized plan for them, and one of them fully accepts that they are like a 145 half marathon runner. And the other says, yeah, if I follow this plan, then maybe I could become a 145 half marathon runner. Mm -hmm. The first one actually is going to work. The second one thinks that they've created a magic plan. And this is part of where of my issue with the magic plan is the plan isn't going to get you to a place that you haven't already fully accepted that you can be. Mm. Like if you don't say I can run under 145 for the half marathon, then the plan can't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you have to fully accept that you already have that ability and not that this is the only thing that's going to get you there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's customized plans, but even if if you try one or you try a different plan, they could both get you there if you fully believe that you are a person that can achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. Then I'd argue that both of the plans could get you there. You just need to actually believe in them yeah. and believe in yourself. Right, because you really can only get as fast as you truly believe because we all have the tendency to self-sabotage. Like if you don't really believe that you are capable of a certain time or a certain goal, you're going to do things along the way to actually sabotage yourself. Yeah. I mean, there was one of the kids on our team was like, Mr. Brown, how fast do you think I can get? I said, it doesn't matter. 
So how fast do you think you can get? Because mm. it does not matter what number I throw at you. other Because you will find ways, whatever number I put out there doesn't mean something. It's a matter of what you believe. Otherwise, you're going to start missing workouts or having your time start slipping back in workouts because you don't fully buy in. You'll lose sleep. You're going to eat poorly. Be like, oh, I'm going to have that cookie today. And then you can blame a bad workout on the cookie that you had. Mm. You know, you're going to go through ways where you self-sabotage. Some may be bigger and more obvious than others. Some could be these little subtle things that you're doing to yourself that are holding you back from reaching that big goal. You can do things that will get you distracted from your goal. You can start adding extra workouts on top of your plan. The magic workouts that your friend just did? Oh, yeah. No, I saw a thing on Instagram. I should clearly do that. Mm -hmm. um, or, and this one's the weirdest one to me, you'll develop an injury or an illness or something right before the race because your body, your mind is saying, nope, we're not doing it. Mm. And it's it's an illness that you came out of nowhere. It's an injury. Suddenly your knee starts acting up on you. You didn't tweak it. You didn't do anything. Your shoes are fine. But your your brain is literally trying to sabotage you from reaching that goal because you never thought it was going to be there. So now your knee starts hurting on you. Like two days before the race. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, and I'm traveling to the race and suddenly my knee is just throbbing on me because mm -hmm. your, your brain won't let you get there because it's... It's never bought into the plan. That's so it said crazy. you're never going to be there. Hmm. That's so crazy. And it's so true because our physical body definitely is affected by our mental state and our psychological. And I tell my patients that kind of thing all the time. And I said, I believe that you're in pain because like I'll, I'll sometimes start to try to get into the psychological a little bit with them to see if there's something like extra stress in their life or a really traumatic event that might have just happened that could have possibly increase the amount of back pain or the flare-up that they just had. Um, and they're like, I'm not making this up. And I'm like, I'm not saying, I, I know that your pain is real. Like the pain that you are experiencing is a real pain, but real pain can be affected by stress, anxiety, psychological factors. All of these things definitely play a role. Yeah, I know. We've been trying to show some inspirational videos to the kids on the team, and I looked one up uh, yesterday, and it had a great quote in there. It's a long video that I'm, I'm not sure we're going to show to him, but there was one line from uh, Kipchoge, the guy who's trying to break two hours for the marathon, and he said, if you don't rule your mind, your mind will rule you. Ooh, that's strong. Yeah. That's really powerful. Huh. And it's so true because if you do not believe, then the body most likely will not get there. So let's put all of this together about how we get the training plan and our mental aspect all tied in to reach our actual full and complete potential. Okay, let's so do it. First, you need a nice custom training plan. Mm -hmm. okay, something that you didn't just randomly click. Um, let's choose the third option that Google told me. Mm -hmm. Like, find a plan that actually works for you that takes into account what we said, like some of your basic indicators to find the right paces and efforts and things like that, but also workouts that make sense to you. Training plans that if you can only train five days out of the week, if you can only train three days out of the week, whatever it is, maybe you've got some non negotiables in your life. The training plan plan has to fit that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Like you need a training plan that you believe in and that works for your life. Yeah. Because some people have different work schedules too. Like if you are a nurse that's working 12 hour shifts and you're on your feet all day, you're going to need a training plan that takes that into consideration.
consideration. Right. You probably don't need hard workouts on the day after that. Mm -hmm. That's that's just not going to work very well for you. So a training plan that works for you is your most likely path to get to the goal. But it's not the guarantee unless you have truly accepted that you are already at the destination. So you're saying that the belief in the plan comes first. Or as Yogi Bear liked to put it about baseball, baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. The other half is physical. I love Yogi. <laughs> I know you do. Yogi Bear is the best. But I would argue that baseball is 90% mental. That's interesting. But running is definitely, I would say, 90% mental. And it's funny because our kids on our cross-country team have been realizing this more and more and more this season the older they get the more they really realize that it's so much more than mm-hmm. just going out and running that so much of it is between their ears yeah like I had a kid come up to me the other day, the other day and he was like coach I don't know what to do because I just can't push myself anymore like ever since I threw up on the track a couple weeks ago like I just haven't been able to push myself to that level. He goes, I know I can go faster. My legs can run faster than what I'm doing and how I'm racing, but I just can't mentally get there. Right. I mean, that takes us down the entire path of why are you running in the first place? And and we've had plenty of episodes on that guy, but knowing your mental tricks to this and being able to fully buy into the plan to fully commit that you are not just going to use this plan and get to the destination, but that you are fully capable of being at that destination already. Mm -hmm. And this is just a path. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to get you there. I couldn't agree more. So that kind of wraps up what we've got for the episode. And now we are excited to announce our first runner of the week from our Facebook tribe. Woohoo! Woohoo! So we've started a new thing over in our Facebook group, and we are choosing a runner of the week every week of. And this person is someone that inspires the group through their posts about their running journey. They comment and support the other runners in the group. They're active on both in the group and on Instagram. And so this week, we would really like to say congratulations to Shana Westlake. You are the runner of the week this week. Thank you for all of your participation in the group and for supporting everyone and sharing your running journey it's really inspiring watching you train for your upcoming half marathon and we are super happy that you're a part of our tribe so if you would like to be a part of our tribe you can go to realliferunnerstribe.com to request access to our private facebook group we have an awesome community of people in there that are just sharing their running journeys answering questions sharing the highs the lows and everything in between so if you'd like to be a part of that, please head over to realliferunnerstribe.com to request access to our Facebook group. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Real Life Runners. And if you are listening to this, take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram story so that other people can find our podcast and also tag us at Real Life Runners and use the hashtag Real Life Runners Tribe so that we can find you and Say thank you for supporting us and for spreading our message. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with us, whether you're in the car, on your run, or somewhere else. We so appreciate you, and we feel honored that you decided to spend some of your time with us today. So this has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 106. Now get on out there and run your life.